Test, test, test. Oh, am I on? There we go. A little bit, I think. <clears throat> there, oh, now I hear my... Woo! There we go. Sounds like I'm in a tunnel, doesn't it? A little bit. I have to look at that. There we go. All right. Um. <clears throat> Welcome, everyone. Happy 4th of July. Let me uh, get started here. Y'all good to go back there? Good deal. All right, let me, uh, I'm going to start off with a word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll get into class. Like, God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings you give us, and we just thank you for the freedom and the opportunity we have to come and study your word, and then later on, worship you and remember you, Lord, and, and thank you for everything you've done for us. And we ju- I just ask that you be with us as we as we go through this class and we study uh, you and who you are and the purposes that you have uh, for us in our life. And I ask that you allow us to discover that and to take what we learn and apply it to bring others to you, Lord. I guess, again, I ask that you just bless us as we go through this. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. All right, so I sent out an email earlier this week. And maybe it caught some of you off guard. I know it was kind of intended to do that, catch your attention. Um, but I titled it, and which the title of today's lesson is going to be, What Are You Doing Here? And I, I didn't put punctuation in there on purpose, because it's really in two forms. It's a question and a statement in, in the same, in the same uh, sentence here. And, and the, 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 the idea is, for us to look at why we are here, what we're doing here, and for us to discover our purpose being here. And this is going to go along the lines a little bit of the, the sermon that I preached uh, a few weeks ago um, that I uh, went through the purposes of the church. And we're going to take those and we're going to apply it to ourselves and we're going to look at what, if, what is our purpose at, from a personal level and things that we are we should be doing. So, when we look at this, and, and let me ask you this: Has anyone ever asked this question? What am I doing here? I, I think a lot. I think the last year, year in a couple months, really, I think has made a lot of people question. You know, what in the world's going on? What are we doing? Why am I here? What's the purpose of everything? And so, a lot of times when we start that that start that out, we start with this question here or some version of this question, why am I alive? Anyone ever asked that question? <laughs> some of us probably, how am I alive? But, um, but you know, we, we look at this, and like I said, I think the last year, some of us wonder, you know, why am I alive? We see a lot of people who were sim- seemingly health, healthy get COVID and pass away. Helen and I had a acquaintance that we knew back in, in West Virginia who was... 41, 43, got COVID, within a month or so, passed away. I mean, seemingly healthy person. And so it was really weird. And so I, I think maybe this question, I know it's gone, gone through my, my mind a lot um, here lately. And then we see this question actually asked in Jeremiah twenty eighteen. Oh, I got busy. So gentlemen, Joey, would you pass these out? You get started and you forget you have these. If there's any extra, you can just set them up here. I've got an outline, sorry. 
But we, we see this question asked in Jeremiah 20, 18. It says here, why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. And now, we obviously know that his entire life had not been filled with trouble, sorrow, but when you're going through something, it feels that way sometimes, right? When you're going through something that's hard, sometimes that is the, the feeling that you get. And so, the, a lot of times that it would lead, when, when you're in this type of, of mindset, it'll lead to this question here. Does my life matter? I think a lot of times we, we ask this question, does, does my life really, in the scheme of things, does it matter? And, and we, we see this actually asked in Isaiah 49, verse 4. He said, I reply, but my work seems to be useless, or seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. You ever feel that way? It's like no matter what you do, it's just useless. Uh, huh? Uh-oh, we missed the run on Dorothy. <laughs> anyone, anyone, anyone else missing one? Thank you. But you know, I mean, we get discouraged sometimes, and when you're discouraged, it feels like nothing you've done or anything that, you, that you're doing, it, it seems worthless. It seems like you've spent all your energy and all your time for no reason. And I think all of us in this room have been there. We've, always, we've, always, we've all reached that point and felt that way. But here's the thing. We were made for God, Right? We were made for God and for God's purposes. And we will not understand that, and life will never make sense until we understand that. And there's a lot of people, I think, who are, who are lost out there because they don't understand what their purpose is and why God made them and put them on this earth. And, and he gives us a choice to fulfill that. He gives us the choice to decide if we're going to follow his purpose or we're going to follow our own. You ever watch someone look for the meaning of life? You can read through the Bible of Solomon. Solomon did that. He spent years. And what was his final, what was his final thought on all that? It's all vanity, right? And, and you see that in the world today. You see what's interesting is like the generation that we're in now, the, the most current generation, they're actually considered one of the more spiritual generations. But the problem is they're looking in the wrong direction. They're, they're spiritual, but they're, they're looking for spirituality in all the wrong places. So when, you, when they totally ignore God in that search, you never really find true meaning or true purpose or true happiness, in, in a matter of fact, there. So if you look in, in, in Proverbs 16.4, the Lord has made everything for his own purpose. God made everything. Everything we see is for his purpose, including every single human being on this earth. And like I said, as humans, he's given us the free will to choose to be part of his purpose and fulfill his purpose or not to. And in some cases, he'll still use us for his purpose if we choose not to follow him. So the statement becomes then, God created me to, what? 
Serve his purposes. What else? Serve him. Worship him. To reflect him. Glorify his name. Edify his name. These are all good answers and they're all correct. Go ahead. Yeah. So here's here's the bottom line. So all those things are true, but here's the, the, the bottom, the foundation of all those things. God created me to love me. So think about that for a minute. God created me, yes, to fulfill a lot of his purposes and do things, but the ultimate reason he created us was to love us. We see this in Ephesians 1.4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So I want you to think about that for a minute. We have a God who loved us enough that he created us knowing full well that we were going to reject him, sin like crazy, And then ultimately he was going to have to come in the form of his son to die for us so we could put him on a cross and spit on him and stab him in the side and ultimately die. Who in here would you create something if you knew in the end it was going to rebel against you and it was going to end up killing you? I wouldn't. I, I like my life a lot. I don't want to have to create things that's going to kill me. But that's what he chose to do. I mean, if you, if you look at it from that direction, he loved us enough to create us knowing in the end we were going to put him on a cross and kill him so that he could then eventually, or so that he could then re- resurrect and come back and save us by doing so. That is how much, so that's, that's why I say that God created us to love us. Because if he didn't, he would not have not created us, knowing what we, he, he would have to go through with us. We see this in Psalms. Chad, go ahead. I, I, I want to make a point because when I first read that, God created me to love me. I, I thought you were referring to the fact that God created me so that I would love me. Yeah. You're talking about God created me so that he Yes, so that he could love me, yes. Yes, God created us so that he could love us. And because he loves us. If we look in Psalms 139.16, we see this again. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And what this is saying, he, he knows how it's all going to play out. He knew exactly how everything was going to play out. He knew what was going to happen, but he chose to create us anyways. And he knew too, and this is the other thing, he knew, too, that he was, he was creating us and that he was going to come and die for some of us, knowing that that death was going to be in vain for some of us. That he had come to die for some of us who were going to reject him anyways. Yet with all that, we see in Psalms thirty-three, eleven, But the Lord's plans stand firm forever, 
His intentions can never be shaken. With all of that, he still went through with everything. His plan stayed. We see that the, the, the Bible talks about that, you know, he had the power to come down and destroy the world if he wanted to with everything that was going on. He didn't have to have himself put on the cross. He could have said, you know what, I really don't want to do this. Let, let's just end it all. But he chose not. He, he, he stayed firm to his plans, and that's going to stand forever. So that leads us then to, so, so we have all this. We, we see all this. We question, why was I born? Why, you know, why am I here? What is my purpose? And we see that God has created us for a purpose and for a reason, and that we're here to fulfill that purpose. So the question then becomes, what is my purpose? What am I here for? Why was I created? What am I here to do? Because in the reality, this was something I was researching and, and, and discovered, in the reality of things, in the scheme of all things, we are a small blip on a screen that has a, at this time frame, has 107 billion other blips that have been on it. So if you take all of human history, it is estimated that there's been about 107 billion people who've lived on this earth. So we're one in 107 billion until, and then that I keep adding up until Christ chooses to come back. So how important really am I in the scheme of things? Well, let's look at that. We may ask the question then, with that thought, you know, what's my purpose? We see in Psalms, remember how short my life is, how empty and futile this human existence, right? But it's not. We're not, our, our life, our existence isn't futile. We have to do something else first, though, to understand and discover what our purpose is. And here's the statement I have for this. The only way to know your purpose is to know your creator. I'll say it again. The only way to know your purpose is to know your creator. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit because I think the problem that we have is we have a lot of biblical knowledge about our creator, right? We have a lot of biblical knowledge about Christ, but I think we've failed in a lot of circumstances on how to correctly apply that to develop a relationship and truly know who Jesus is and truly know who God is and have that 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 deep relationship I mean you think about it I know a lot about George Washington right I can study history books and 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 biographies and all that stuff and I can learn a ton about George Washington can I have a relationship with George Washington all right? But that's the neat thing about the Bible and Jesus. The way I can learn a whole lot about Jesus. I can learn a whole lot about God through the Bible. But I can also, unlike history books, I can use the knowledge and the information that's in the Bible to develop a relationship with Jesus. I mean, there's instructions on how to do that. Most of it through prayer and reading his word. And because it's living, like Frankie just said. It is a living, breathing document that was done that way on purpose that allows us to develop a relationship with Christ. But I think a lot of times we treat the Bible like we treat our history books. I can read a whole lot about it. I can read a whole lot. of. I can gather a lot of information that's in there, but I don't apply it. Or we, we just hit the surface of it. 
and then we treat it like with the same information I get about George Washington in a history book or whatever history buff you want to choose to use. And so we see this. If we look in Proverbs 19.10, or I'm sorry, 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I think maybe some version says leads to understanding. In Colossians 1.16, it says, For through him God created everything. Think about that for a minute. I don't think we, we, we realize this sometimes. Who is him? Christ. So God created us. I think a lot of times, we, you know, because we, we, we read Genesis and it's in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and bang it was. But he actually, it was through Jesus that he actually created everything. That's a probably a, we'll, we'll hit that a little bit as we get further into the, uh, these lessons. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Everything was created for, through him and for him. And then we see in Ephesians 1, verses 11 and 12, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to what? His plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in God would bring praise and glory to God. Now, He's talking about the Jews in the very beginning. This still applies to everyone, right? Not just Jews. Our purpose for everyone, or sorry, his, for God's purpose for everyone is to bring praise and glory to God. That's the, to me, that's the ultimate human condition. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's, it's because we're in our sinful state. But I, there's things that we could apply that to, not only in, in Christianity and the way we should do, but we could, we could do that through health, through, I mean, you see that in, in all of our lives, right? I know that I don't need to go through Hardee's and get the, what's the big one? The Monster Burger with bacon and, and cheese and I don't get mayonnaise because I don't like mayonnaise, right? I know that I don't need to do that, right? I know I need to eat healthy, but what do I do? Why? The devil, right? It's the devil's fault. <laughs> because that's a whole lot better than going home and eating some grilled chicken and some vegetables, all right? It's the same thing with, with our spiritual lives. We know, at least I hope we know, that we should be a lot more spiritual a lot more active, a lot more evangelistic, a lot more of a lot of things, but we choose not to. Why? We can be honest. Might do it. Well, we'll do it tomorrow, right? It's more convenient. Hmm? It's inconvenient, Dad. That's been mentioned in Romans 7 in, in two different ways. There are those who say, 
almost used it as an excuse. I'm talking about Christians. They're mm-hmm. saying, well, even Paul did, and Paul said, and this is what we are, and this is the way it is, and that's just the way it's going to be. So we may as well accept it. So I see him, no big deal, ha-ha, kind of attitude. Paul's attitude was not that. He, he, he was in great pain at the end of that section of Scripture when he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think that's the challenge in the Christian life. While we're, as Paul says, that battle between the flesh and the spirit. And yep. the spirit that joyfully concurs with the will of God, the, the flesh that says, no, you ain't. And it is a spiritual battle. And I think that is our life, our service to the Lord is our lifetime of struggling against that flesh. And the flesh winning not lost, man. Yep. But struggling constantly against that flesh and trying to be all that we know we need to be in Christ, even though we know we fall short. Yep. No, I, I agree 100%. And, and that's one of the things I... Sometimes we see a little bit of it, but one of the things we don't see a lot in the Bible is, is a lot of the failures of the, the, the apostles. We see some of them, right? We see, you know, um, the, the denying of Jesus. We, we see a lot of that, 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 those type of things, and they're, you know, Jesus calls them out a lot of times. But we don't see a lot of their sinful failures, right? And, and nowadays when, when we see someone who's, because who's, we all we're all going to fail to and fall to the flesh. It's going to happen no matter what, right? And it's going to be on a continual basis. Hopefully it gets better over time and we, as we work towards it, but you, you're going to sin no matter what you do. But sometimes I wonder if, if it would have been so, some more examples in the Bible <laughs> of their failures to help us out a little bit. But, but I like all the answers because I think, but I think the ultimate ones, the, a lot of the times the reason why we don't do what the Bible says to do, one, because of the flesh, but it's going to make us, I think the ultimate thing is uncomfortable, right? It's not comfortable to do, to, it's very comfortable for a time to give into the flesh, right? It's very comfortable for me to go and eat that huge monster burger with a large fry and, and a Dr. Pepper. But in the end, what's going to happen? My blood sugar is going to be 300 when I wake up in the morning, and I'm going to gain a, a bunch of weight, and... When I try to renovate a house and do flooring, it's going to feel like someone ran me over with a truck. All right? So we have these purposes and we know them. So let me go into Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's, and I love this, the wording in this one, and I don't know, this is the New Living Translation, and I don't know if it's in the others. For we are God's masterpiece. What do you do with the masterpiece? You show it off, right? If you've created something that you consider your most excellent work, you're going to show He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. All right? So he, he, has, made a, he has a plan for us. He has a plan for all the things that he wants us to do. We've just got to follow it and figure that plan out. We see in Acts 10.35, in every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. So the question is then, or the statement may be, well, Chad, that's good, but I still don't know what my purpose is. Well, here, here's my statement all around this. We're the church, right? Right? Okay. We are the church. And we've talked about it a little bit. And, and, and several weeks ago, I went over the five purposes of the church. And if you look through the theme of the Bible, there's five purposes for the church in the Bible. So therefore, if we are the church and the church has five purposes, then we have what? Five purposes. 
So we're going to look at those, but we're going to look at them more of an individual level in this class than we do in, in the other class that I'm teaching on what the, the purpose of the church as a whole is. But we're, they're the same, but we're going to look at them at, from a group level and an individual level. So these are the five purposes. If you, if you remember, and I'm not going to go into great detail on these, but if you remember, if you look through the themes of the Bible, these are the five purposes that you see for the church and for us throughout the entire New Testament. And that's worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and evangelism. But here, here's the thing that, that we, really, we really need to, to start paying attention to and get serious about. And I hope this last year, year and a half, has really made people realize that. And that is that we need to get serious about God's purpose. It is time for us to get serious about God's purposes because I'm going to be honest, I don't think we've really taken it very seriously. There's some things we take very serious, but there's others that we don't. And we need to take all five of these and make them very, very, very important. So here's what this is going to look like. I believe that this is going to be a six-month study. All right, it may go longer than that depending on what we dive into and what, we're gonna, what we get into. But here's the, the things that we're going to look at. We're going to look at four things or four themes through this study. The first thing we're going to look at is Christ on earth. Why is that? We need to get to know who Christ is. So we're going to look at him. We're, gonna, we're not only going to look through him through a biblical lens, but we're also going to look at him through a historical lens as well. Because I think it's important to look at not only, the, obviously, it's very important to look at what the Bible says and, and, and what the Bible shows about Christ, but it's also important to realize that there's actually a lot more historical stuff out there about Christ than people realize. And you can merge the two together, and, and, it, may, and it paints a, a much larger picture for us to, for us to look at and see. And, and like I said, this is a part of our problem, I think, sometimes, is we don't truly know and understand Christ sometimes. We, we, I think we have sometimes a surface idea but yes, Christ was this guy, he came and he died for me, and now I can go to heaven, right? And it goes a little bit deeper than that. But I want to look at his birth, where he came from, and, and why. And I don't know how many people know this, and we'll talk about this next week. But there was a lot of reasons Christ was looked down on. But one of them, not, one of them wasn't just because he came out, you know, <laughs> challenging the religious leaders. A lot of it because he came from the wrong side of the tracks, as we would say. He came from an area that people looked down upon because of where he came from. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dive into that. So we're going to really get to, to have a little bit more of that knowledge and, and that will allow us to hopefully build a better relationship with Christ, what his ministry on earth was, and what he really would do and still do today. We're going to look at that. The next thing we're going to look at is the images of the, of the church. So the family, the body, right? Those types of things that represent the church and who it's supposed to be and how we are supposed to be versus, I think, sometimes um, how I think sometimes we are. The, la the third one, and this one may be a little bit more challenging for some of y'all, is we're going to look at the New Testament churches. And I know that's plural, and some people may say, well, there's a New, there's a New Testament church. Yes, we have the New Testament church as a whole, but I, the thing I think we forget is that the churches, 
that we see in the New Testament weren't clones of each other. Right? They didn't all do the same thing, and they didn't all act the same way, and they didn't all come from the same cultural context. And so we, we need to get rid of that idea that, well, this church was exactly this way, and this one, this one, and this one, and this one, and this one looked exactly the same. They came from a lot of different backgrounds and you know you had some that were Greece and some that were in Rome and some that were you know in in, in Corinthians and so you had all these different cultures it's not like well actually it is like today you know you you think about the cultural difference between the south and the north right now expand that by a whole lot because you know we didn't have the they didn't have the ability like we have today for their cultures to to mix a whole lot like they do. I mean, you could go into a region and their culture would be completely, completely different than someone who was maybe two or three hundred miles away. Because of, you know, it took a lot to go two or three hundred miles. And so you didn't have the, the mixtures of cultures and the mixture of things that we see today that influence culture. So we're going to see, and, and we, you see this a lot if you pay attention to the writings of, of Paul and, and some of the others who were writing to the churches. You see that because he talks about the things that they were dealing with and the problems that they were having in the church. And so we're going we're gonna to dive down into those and find out that a lot of the reasons the problems that they had were cultural. And that we're going to apply that to ours because I think a lot of the reasons we have some of the problems we have in the church is cultural. And, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then lastly, and I know we've kind of done this already, but we're going to relook at the commands of Christ. But I'm not going to spend like just two lessons on the commands of Christ. We're going to take a deep dive into the commands of Jesus because I th- think those are very important. I think a lot of times we 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 focus very heavily on the New Testament church and the things that they did, and a lot of times leave out or or ignore or don't put as much emphasis on the commands that Christ himself gave us directly. And not saying neither one's important, but I, I do believe that the commands of Christ first, or should come first, and should be the first things that we really look at and pay attention to as the church. So the, I, I don't know, some of y'all may be asking this, and this is what I'm going to finish into, is why are we doing this study? Why is this important? Here's why I think. The church we see in Scripture is very different than the church we see today. I would say, actually, the churches that we see closest to Scripture today aren't even in the United States. They're not in this country. They're in other countries. And this is why. We have developed an Americanized version of Christianity in the United States. And in my honest opinion, that version of Christianity is not biblical. I'm not saying that we're completely unbiblical. What I am saying is there are a lot of aspects to, you know, I talked about how culture can influence the church and and some of the challenges that, that Paul and others wrote about to the churches of the cultural influences they were having. I think this is one of them. The, the American idea and the American you know, dream is a good thing and can be a good thing. But I think sometimes when you mix that into the church, it's not a good thing. 
And here's why. We've developed a culture in America of comfort, right? Why do we, we have everything, what? We have refrigerators, we have microwaves, we have four TVs in our houses, we have three or four cars, we have, you know, you, you, you can go on. America has become a cu- country of comfort and ease. And you're like, well, you know, it's still hard. Yeah, you go outside this United States. You go outside this United States, and the poorest in our country are rich by a lot compared to most people in other countries. And that has influenced the church, right? <clears throat> We're seeing this a lot more in the church. You know, who in here is familiar with, with the, the newer progressive Christianity movement? A couple? Study the progressive Christianity movement. The progressive Christianity movement is not Christianity. I will say that first off. It is a, a movement of ease. It is a movement of, well, anything goes. You know, God loves you. You can do whatever you want, and you're still going to go to heaven. Right? If Here's another thing, and I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to say this because there's a lot of good with, the, with a lot of bad with the good. But if you really want to understand the cultural mindset of Christianity today, get on TikTok and start going through a lot of the, the things talking about Christianity and the church today. You will be blown away. You'll learn a whole lot, which I think is why it's important. But you will learn. Who in here, anyone in here have gone through, and I know there's a couple who probably have. You, you can admit it. Some are in the back. I'll give you an example. Who in here has heard of the book of Enoch? All right, we've got to start doing our, our, our history lessons a little bit better. All right, well, if you're not familiar with the book of Enoch, it's a book about, it's more of a science fiction book than anything. But there's a huge movement now saying that the book of Enoch should be included in the, the canonized scripture. Well, if you actually study it, you know that there's no word of God in the book of Enoch. But that's where we're at. No one knows about it. So you see something about, oh, wow, well, this should be in there. And so this is where I'm getting to. A lot of, a lot of Christianity today does not, they don't, we don't know how to answer these things. We don't know how to talk into these things. We don't know how to talk into homosexuality. We don't know how to talk into to identity issues that we see. I mean, that's one of the biggest things. Everything is about identity anymore, whether it's race, sex, whatever. And we really don't know how to talk into these things. Our, our biggest, our solution right now is to say, well, you're wrong, you need to get right, and we walk away. And that's not going to work. If you, if you have that kind of response to people today, then they're going to see you as completely irrelevant and, and, and could care less about anything you say. If you look at the early church, the early church understood its culture it understood it was a part of it. It was in the world daily. It had not cut itself off. The early church did not cut themselves off from the rest of the culture. They dived headfirst into it, even, even if it, they knew it was going to kill them. And so those are the type of things that we're going to look at. And so ultimately, I say all that because there's two verses, and there's more than two verses, but there's two verses that, I wanna, that I'm going to look at that are probably two of my biggest fears when I read them. Give me a second. 
And they're these two verses. And I would circle these on that outline. Go back and read them and study them. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 24. And this isn't the whole thing, but I, but I wanted to go through just these parts. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from a thistle? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce, and pay attention to this verse. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruits, so you can identify people by their actions. I'm going to stop here for a minute because I honestly think the last year we have seen a lot of trees that have been cut down and thrown into the fire when it comes to the church. I put the statistics on the outline on the back page. If you look in, the, in just the Church of Christ, and this is really a, probably across the board, we've lost about 25% of our membership in the last year in America. Let me clarify that, in America. All right? It's about the same for, for all the other churches and stuff that you see out there and you study. It, it, it's kind of universal across the board. Now, why do you think that happened? They were already rigged. They didn't have very deep roots, right? We, we, we've given, been given examples of churches who their leadership died from COVID. Guess what the church did? They shut their doors. And so, oh, we don't have leadership anymore, so we're just going to go walk, close it all and walk away. Their roots were not deep. They were not bearing any fruit, for the most part, that you could see. And I, and I believe that's what's happened with COVID. With COVID, the, 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 tr- the trees that weren't producing fruit were cut down. And we're seeing a lot of that. Yeah. And that kind of kept the church strong. I mean, you had to be serious if you're going to become a Christian, knowing it could cost you your very life. And that's why churches in China and other places are some of the fastest growing churches. The more, one of, one of the, the ministers in China said that he was so glad, because for a while there, China eased their restrictions. They even let them worship in public. They had, they had you know, large, you know, mega, just a couple of mega churches, as we would say. And then finally the Chinese got tired of them and they came in and tore them all down. And the, the minister said it was the best thing that had ever happened to the Chinese church because they had started getting soft and it became a, it, they became a culture, church culture that was more about them than doing the will of God. So let's finish this verse. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who, and underline, if you're, uh, if you're, I don't know if you have the NLT version or what version, I'm not sure what it says in the other version. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven, will enter. Circle, underline, highlight, actually. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, we perform many miracles in your name. This day and age, we're like, well, Lord, I was at church every Sunday, Wednesday, Um, I lived a good life, I did all these things. But I will reply, I never knew you, Get away from me, you who break God's law. Now, that section of verse should scare you. 
Especially if, if you're not 100% sure that you're actually doing the will of God. And we're going to look at a lot of that. And then the next section, I'm sorry, let me finish here. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a, a house on a rock. And we, and we got a song about that. Then if we look at Matthew 25, 34 through 40, actually, you, you write down 31 through 46. That's the whole the whole thing. But this is kind of a glimpse into what Judgment Day is going to look like. I think a lot of, ti- a lot of title this, the, the final judgment. I'm going to read this real quick. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you gave me drink, I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing, I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When do we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Now let me ask you the question. When you get to judgment... Well, let me ask it this way. What do you notice here? What was the qualification for getting into heaven in this story? But doing what? They were not necessarily just doing that to Christians only. Right. They were doing it to people in the world that were absolutely outside of Jesus Christ. Right. So one of the major qualifications I see here, I'm going to try to hurry a little bit, was the, one of the major qualifications he's talking about is how you treated other people. It wasn't about what you did on Sunday. He, he, he didn't listen to, well, did you do this? Did you did these things. You treated these people this way. Now, ultimately, a lot of that's going to go back to following Jesus and his command. But that was the, the, one of the qualifications. I think we miss that sometimes. Because I think he's talking. I, I do believe that, that the way he was talking about in this, I don't know if it's necessarily a parable, because it wasn't, but the way it was worded, it's like, look, let me tell you about this and how this is going to look like. So this is what we're going to look at, right? This is, this is the, the overview of how we're going to find our purpose and how it's going to fulfill out and the things we should be looking at, but we're going to do it by studying Christ. We're going to do it by studying His church, the churches that we see in the New Testament, and then we're going to do it by studying His commands. And if we take all of those serious, then we will do them, and do them the way that the Bible says to do them, and put emphasis on those. So that's going to be the, the, the emphasis of, of this class. Like I said, I think it's going to be about uh, six months. But here, here's some... I'm going to set forth some guidelines here. I guess some guidelines for the class. One, be here, be engaged. And then I didn't have this on the outline because I added it later. Be willing to learn. Some of us sometimes think that we, we already have it all figured out 
and we don't really need to learn anything new. That's never true. That's never true. Always be learning. I always love learning new things. That's why I'm always studying different things. Number two, study. I am not going to be able to show you and teach you everything in 45 minutes once a week. You need to study every single day. Go through the stuff that we have. I'm going to try to have more things in the outline for you to go through and study and look at as we go through this. Take it serious. Yeah, I'm going to be sending out information to you. Number three, and this is an important one, and it's a personal one for me. Talk to me. If I say something, I'm going to challenge you in this class. I, I challenge myself, so I, I expect the same from everyone else. So if, you, if I say something that you think is unbiblical or not right, please come to me first. Because here's the thing. It's kind of hypocritical for you to go and talk to other people or the elders about me being unbiblical when, in fact, by doing that, you're being unbiblical. You can actually reference Matthew 18, 15 through 17 for that one. Come to me. Because here's the thing. I'm going to put 100% in this class, and I want to do everything I can to be 100% biblical. Now, there's going to be times where that may not, some of you may disagree with it. And I think there are. There's some gray areas sometimes that we have to try to figure things out. And I'll give you the best example, and I wish he was here and I miss him, is Gene Carter. I love Gene Carter to death because it didn't matter what I talked about. There were times he'd come to me and said, I 100% disagree with you on that. But you know what? The other thing was, he came to me, and me and him would talk about it, and we'd show scripture. And if I was wrong, I'd say, hey, you know what? I'm right. I'm wrong on that. But you know what? If I could show him where I was right, he'd say, you know what, Chad? You're right on that. And that is the type of, that's the only way we're going to learn in this class. So let's, we need to, go ahead. And sometimes you may say something that you think is clear as I'll get out, and someone else not see it that way. So by coming and talking to that person, you clear things up. You can get to a deeper understanding, whereas if you don't do that, then the devil is able to get a foothold. Yes. And that's what we don't want. I agree 100%. So if I say something that that concerns you or that you think I'm wrong in, hey, I'm a big boy. I'm, I'm open to criticism as long as it's justified. And I'm open to conversations around things, so please do that. Number four, no self-righteousness. We don't know everything. We don't have all the answers. We are still trying to figure out a lot of this stuff. But the the awesome thing is, is we do have all the answers available to us. I I think self-righteousness, look at, write down this, I didn't have it in the outline, Luke 18, 9 through 14. Luke 18, 9 through 14, it's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. We need to have the, the attitude of the tax collector as we go through this stuff and look at it. All right, so next week, I don't know if you all remember the, the series I did called The Problem of God, but we're actually going to look through this now through the lens of the problem of Jesus. Go ahead. On your, on your memory verse? Yeah. I don't think the scripture references right. Is it not? I don't, I don't think it is. What do I have for the memory verse? I don't have my sheet in front of me. Proverbs 22, 17. Say my will. 
Mine says, pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. Okay. I think it is Proverbs 16.4. It is proper. Thank you. See, I'm not perfect. (laughs) That wasn't the point. No, I know. I'm just kidding. No, yeah. Write the memory verse, Proverbs 16.4. I apologize. Yeah. I apologize for that. But yes, yeah, so the problem of Jesus next week, we're going to look at that at, at, through the lens of the problem that Jesus was to the world the, the, that they saw. And we're going to look at it starting from his life. So thank you, everyone. See you next week.